0: Love Talk Radio.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Abundant Solutions Hour. Our goal is to help others be more, do more, and have more. I'm your host, Gregory Turner.
2: And I'm your co-host, Brian J. Henderson. Brian. Yes, sir.
1: Tonight is going to be a powerful, powerful show.
2: Absolutely. absolutely.
1: I, I'm, I might have to say that again,
2: <laughs>
1: because you know what, tonight's show... Is designed to help those that forgot how to dream.
2: Mm.
1: Brian, that happens a lot. Yeah, that happens a lot.
2: You know, it's funny you said that because when you think about a dream, and I and I like the way you always put it. You know, in order to make your dreams come true, you have to first wake up. That's right. You know, but so many people, when you when they say they had a dream last night and you ask them about what their dream was about, you know, unless they really, really were tuned in to that dream, they can't remember. They might remember little pieces and snippets of the dream, but most of the dream is really lost in translation of the dream. You know what I mean? Yes, yes. And I think that's what happens to people. When we begin to dream big dreams, sometimes we get lost in translation.
1: Yes. And another thing too, Brian, life has a way of demanding things from us. And what happens is when life demands demand those certain things from us, we forget how to dream. We get so used to being beat up until we're afraid to come out of our little shell and we're we're now boxed in and we can't come out of that and we don't think that what's happening out there for others can happen for us. Have you ever known Brian, someone that say they have faith, and and you tell them your dream, and they tell you, oh, your dream is gonna come true, but they can't say that their own dream is gonna come true.
2: Oh yeah, you know, How can and, they
1: have more faith in your dream mm-hmm. when they don't have faith in themselves that what they're doing can really happen?
2: You know, I, I've I've seen that a lot, especially in the realm that I work in with, you know, when I'm talking to kids and they'll and They'll say, "Well, this is what I want to do, but I don't know if I'll be able to do it." Mm. You know, and I'll tell them, "Well, I'm doing what I what I wanted to do. Why can't you do it?" And they say, "Well, because that you're you. I'm not you." <laughs> and I said, "The same thing that you, that I have is the same thing you have. You just have to exercise your faith."
1: That's right, Brian. Let's not waste any more time. I I, <laughs> I want people to hear uh, this this powerful man tonight, some strongholds are going to be broken, some dreams uh, that people forgot they had will now return. So, Brian, if you would, go ahead and bring him in.
2: Sure, sure. I want to start off by saying BluntArtistry.com, BluntArtistry.com, BluntArtistry.com. Remember that website. Blunt Artistry is not for the faint of heart. Because that is exactly where Ed Blunt is going to reach you. Sharing a proven philosophy of definitive success, Ed challenges his audiences to move beyond self-imposed borders to release their gifts and actively pursue their passions. Without any further ado, we would like to present to you our guest for tonight, Mr. Ed Blunt.
0: Wow, thank you so much for that wonderful introduction. I'm going to have to take you with me on the road.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Blunt, you know, when I went on your site, if you go to edblunt.com, there's a a quote by him that is so powerful. I've been looking at this thing all week, and I wrote it down last week. For the last two weeks, I've I've just been looking at it every morning, and it says, if you're not currently experiencing growing pains, then you're probably not growing. Yes. (laughs) Explain that.
0: Well, I I believe that the most significant moments that we experience in our lives happen in a period of transition. And what, what precedes that is normally a sense of fear, a sense of doubt, a sense of wonder and excitement, where we're going through something that is making us uncomfortable. And that is the only time in my own life where I've experienced tremendous growth, whether it was you know, doing something I've never done before so I wasn't sure if I could do it. And right before we have that significant moment, we, we experience those pains. And even when we're going through those moments, we experience those pains. But I've never met anyone who has said to me, you know, I've gone through this challenging process and I'm a better person for it. But I just, I don't see the benefit in in the growth I've experienced. Like no one ever says that. They say, you know what, I've experienced a lot of growth, and and maybe it was was challenging, it was a little uncomfortable. It may have even been painful, but I'm really grateful to have come through it.
2: Wow. Mr. Blunt, I just have to tell you, our phone lines are completely packed. (laughs) Oh, beautiful, beautiful. And we're going to... Uh, I just want to let all the callers know, be patient. We're going to try to get to everybody as soon as we can. But we just have to let Mr. Blunt just just share with us some more just awesome, awesome, of his awesomeness. <laughs> I guess that's how I, that's how I put it. It's just, you know, I can listen to you talk all the time.
0: Well, I appreciate the, that. The things you, know, that you
2: say just are so intriguing. Tell me, Mr. Blunt, what was your motivation? What What... What guided you on the journey that you're now on?
0: Well, there were a couple of things that happened. One of the first things was you all talked at the opening of the show about having a dream and what happens when you put that dream on the back burner or you talk yourself out of pursuing that dream. When I was younger, I had a dream, an idea of of being a great actor. I didn't want to be a famous actor. I didn't... Want to be on the covers of magazines. I simply wanted to be a great actor and work with great people. And the people in my neighborhood in Cleveland, Ohio, I was doing theater at Tri C Community College. I was paying $45 a week just to get the chance to act. And I remember saying to some of my colleagues, I want to go to New York or I want to go to Los Angeles and I want to create a career for myself. And they looked at me like I was strange because no one had ever done that from my surroundings. The people that I was working with, no one had ever gone that far. Most people had just done some community theater locally. And then I decided, well, I need to find out where the other great actors went. And I learned that people like Meryl Streep and Charles Dutton and Courtney Vance and Angela Bassett had all gone to the Yale School of Drama. So I decided that's where I'm going to go. And as soon as I said that, I'll never forget one of uh, my so-called mentors at the time, and we'll get to that later, who you choose as your mentors. He said to me, Ed, that's that's really nice that you want to go to Yale, but you have to understand most people don't get in. And when you don't get in, I'm going to arrange for you to apply to a local college program. And I never forgot that he said that. And some people, you know, when they tell you what you can't do, for some people that puffs them up, it motivates them even more. And for others, maybe they allow some of that to filter into their own consciousness. But I just made up my mind. That's what I was going to do. I never considered not going to Yale. I never considered not being a successful, great actor. That was never an option. And because I had this dream, it was much bigger than my circumstances. My circumstances were I was working as a substitute teacher from six thirty in the morning till about three o'clock in the afternoon. My circumstances were I was doing community theater and it cost me money to participate. My circumstances were there was no one in my immediate surrounding that had any idea of what I was aspiring to. But the dream was much bigger than the circumstance and so I put my time my focus and my energy, and investing in the dream. So I didn't even pay any attention to my circumstances. I always focused on the dream. Now, literally, those of you that are listening, you can do this. This is practical in the sense that I would go into an empty space and I would work on my monologues. I would go into an empty space and I would read entire scripts, taking on all the different characters. I would go into a space and I would visualize what it felt like when I was on stage performing before all of these dignitaries and politicians and entertainers and world leaders and teachers and, and, and civic leaders and all, and all these kinds of people in the audience. I had a, a very clear idea in my mind's eye of what it looked like, what it felt like, what it sounded like. And I would go into that empty space every single chance that I got and I would rehearse and practice every chance that I got. I didn't have an audience. Nobody was encouraging me. No one was saying, go and go. You're going, to be, you're going to do it. You're going to be great. I was saying that to myself. Sometimes you have to call upon your own cheerleading section within you until you are thoroughly convinced that that dream can be within your grasp. And so I stayed on that course. And I share the story simply to say this. From that point, on an empty stage in a small theater, Caramel Theater in Cleveland, Ohio, I went from there to the Yale School of Drama, to London, England, to St. Petersburg, Russia, to stages all around the country, to Off-Broadway, to Broadway, doing Shakespeare, working with the likes of Denzel Washington, and then to movies and then to television, working with people like Susan Sarandon and Ray Vines and Sean Penn and again Denzel Washington and Spike Lee and August Wilson, the great, great August Wilson. So all of those opportunities and experiences were birthed out of the initial dream itself. This young this young kid who didn't know any better and people looked at him and said, you know, that's nice you have that, but it's probably not gonna happen because it's never happened before. We've never seen it. This young kid went with that dream, and that's what he invested in. I didn't invest in what the limitations were. I only invested in the possibilities. Now, was it easy? No. Did I have moments where I was thinking to myself, whoo, this is, this is a lot of work, Ed. This is a lot of work. But I believe in the dream, and I love, I love what I was doing. I had a really a passion for it. So I just kept doing it, and eventually... I was able to come to that space and have all those experiences.
1: Awesome, awesome. You said uh, a couple words that jumped out at me, the preparations of you going and speaking to an empty room. That's, yes. that To me, that's action. That's you working your faith. And also the part when you said that you, you, you were getting to the point where you were saying, oh, boy, can I do this? Yes. Sacrificing. I'm sure you sacrificed a lot going through this. Yes. And, and the wonderful thing that, uh, uh, you know, the wonderful thing about you being on the show tonight is other people can do what you did. They just need to, to be persistent and stay with it and prepare. Because, you know, I've learned that God won't give you anything that you're not prepared for.
0: Yes. Absolutely. Yes.
3: Yeah.
0: You know, Eric Butterworth said that when we pray, the ideal way to pray, he was a great theologian and philosopher, he said, you must create the circumstances that will, en- that will enable God to answer your prayer. Wow. But you can't just pray and then wait on something to happen. You must put in the work and create enough fervor around your dream, your idea, and your goal so that God can do what God needs to do through you. And that was a tremendous uh, part of that journey for me, which took me eventually from the Broadway stage onto the speaking stage.
2: Ooh,
0: mighty, wow
2: <laughs> You know When I talk to people And you know A lot of times I'm, I find people When they when they find out that we're doing a radio show And we talk about dreams and goals And realizing them They tend to want to tell me the things that They aspire to do And the mm. first question I'll ask them was What did you begin to do Or what have you done To put yourself in that position, and you kind of alluded to that where you were studying, you were learning, you know, you were learning all the, the different parts to the, uh, to the different plays that you were trying to get involved with. What actually brought you to speaking?
0: Well, I was very fortunate to have a relationship with one of the great speakers on the planet, Mr. Les Brown. And he and I had a conversation for about four and a half years where he was saying to me, I believe if you move over into this industry of speaking, you're going to find that you can use your gifts in a more profound way than what you're doing now. And for four and a half years, I resisted that conversation because I was a successful actor. I was working out of New York City. I was living comfortably. I I, I didn't have enough courage within myself to look beyond my immediate circumstances. I said I worked hard to create this career for myself as an actor. I don't want to try to do something else. It took me a long time to get here. And when I recognized that I was living in fear and that I hadn't taken the step out of fear, I had to call myself on myself and say, wait a minute, you had this voice, this 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 small, still quiet voice in your head for years, but you've been trying to ignore it. And we all have that. Everyone that's listening on this call has had something in them that they knew they were supposed to be taking action on. But for whatever reason, we we put it off to the side. We delay. We procrastinate. We wait for the right time for all the stars to be in alignment, for the kids to be out of the house, for the bills to be paid, for the mortgage to be paid off. Whatever those things are, we like to wait until everything is nice and neat. And I realized that that never happens. It just doesn't happen. And so I decided, okay, I'm going to stop waiting, number one. Number two, Spirit told me, Ed, it's time to move. You know, I had just done the biggest major motion picture of my life. I had just done my first major lead in a film. I had just done Broadway with Denzel and, and a movie with him. So all these things in my acting career were saying, hey, it's really about to explode now. And I I said, it's time to move. I was doing the play. In the middle of the play, I said, this is my last play for a very, very, very long time. I never say never. And I simply went out, and I I didn't know how I was going to make money. I didn't know anything about the speaking business. I knew how to develop myself, but I didn't know anything else. And bills were, were coming in. I didn't know how I was going to pay them. But I took that leap of faith. Brian, you kept saying that. you got to step out on, on faith. And I realized if I had done it once before, I could do it again.
1: And you know what? That That's so powerful that you say that you didn't know how you were going to, you know, the bills and all of this stuff were going to get paid. You didn't know where you were going. You were walking away from something. And the beautiful thing about God is it's none of your spiritual business how it's going to happen. Yes. You, if you just work at it and be persistent and you stop guarding your heart when you're going and facing your dreams, and a lot of times that's what happens. We guard our hearts, and by doing that, we're afraid that we're going to get hurt because of some type of rejection, and you didn't do that. Yes. And yes, that's it's true. You know, and I, it, that, that guarded
0: piece is, is important because we, we all want to protect ourselves, and I think fences. We build senses to keep certain harmful elements out, but at the same time, we're keeping a lot of ourselves in, and so we're blocking our potential when we do that, because, you know, we're going to take some hits. Yeah.
2: We've all taken hits
0: before, and we're going to take some again. That's just the way, that's the way life works. There's no, there's no way to avoid that. The important thing is to build yourself up foundationally so that you can absorb those hits that are inevitable and keep ongoing
1: Yes. when you walked away from the stage did you have a lot of people trying to stop you and say ed you know you shouldn't do this uh your career is booming right now everything is falling into place Uh, we know that you've worked so hard don't do this don't walk away
0: well i had two responses my agents thought i was completely crazy and they called me and they were sending me job offers. That was another thing. I got more offers once I left <laughs> than what I got when I was in it. It was really funny how that happened. And I just kept saying no. I kept saying no. But what I got that really that made me feel proud of my time that I put in and the work that I did and my mission to, to really serve that craft honorably was most of the actors that I worked with who found out that I had left, I got calls and I got emails. Wow, are you, I can't believe, it. you know, what a tremendous loss. You know, are you sure you want to leave? You are such a great actor. Are you sure you want to leave? And we all know this. When you have the respect of your peers and your colleagues, to me that is what, is what can be most valuable, in addition to the service that we provide through the work that we do. When our peers who know what it's like to be in the trenches look at us and say, hey, when, when I'm in the trenches, I want you by my side because I know you're going to not only bring it, but you're going to help to lift me up to another level too. That was the best departing gift that I received from my colleagues. Wow, wow, awesome.
2: Mr. Blunt. I want to take this opportunity to go to the phone lines. We have had several callers that have been patiently, patiently waiting. So if you don't mind, we're going to go to the caller in the 203 area code. Caller, are you there? Caller from the 203 area code? All right, they're just a little shy. All
1: right,
2: we'll try the next area code. Three three zero area code. Caller, are you there? Caller from the three three zero. All right, plenty of listeners. Yes, yes. All right. Let's try.
1: Go to the four zero four.
2: Yeah, let's try the four zero four. Atlanta, talk to us.
4: Hi, this is Dr. Tori Griffin. Can you hear me?
2: Yes, we yes, can. we can.
4: Oh, I am loving this call.
2: <laughs> Thank you.
4: I am, and and I wanted to say i really connected with you when you mentioned that there was someone in your life, a mentor, who actually implied that you probably weren't going to be able to succeed. And all that did for you was create fuel. And and I recall being in my doctoral program and having a professor say something to me in, in front of lots of people. Well, if you finish this program, blah, blah, blah. And I, too, remember the fire that I felt And I want to encourage anybody else who's listening that if you've ever been discouraged, the same sort of fire is exactly what you need Mm -hmm. to push yourself past the fear, because that fear of success, I I agree, is is sometimes scary. and People don't push past it. They don't have enough motivation. So how can a person find the motivation if they don't have the right people? Because those people may have tried to really discourage us, but in fact they motivated us. So how does someone get that flip? that switch flips to make sure they get motivated instead of discouraged?
0: Well, I I think the the most important thing is to check in with your your instincts and your intuition because I believe when you have an idea or an impulse or a goal that you want to pursue, it's coming from inside out. And it's there for a very specific reason. It was given to you. It wasn't given to anyone else. And what happens is, Dr. Griffin, is people – when you have an idea or an impulse, the, the first person that's going to start to resist it is yourself. Mm-hmm. Right. Not in, in most cases. And then you get to the second layer, which is the people from the outside in, saying, oh, well, do you really think you can do that? Do you really think you can do that? And so I think it's important for people to have an, a, a time of sequestering. You know, when you have a jury and there's a very important case, whether, whether the case whatever level the case is on, The jurors are sequestered for a period of time. They are removed from society. They are removed from distraction. The televisions are turned off. The radios are turned off. The media is pushed away. And they have a moment where they can concentrate only on what is before them. And so I encourage people to take that time for themselves to sequester themselves with their thoughts, with their ideas, so they can take an inventory you know, it, it takes a, it's a process. So it doesn't happen if you say, I had this idea and I knew it was good, but, you know, my mom told me I couldn't do it and I believed my mom. Mm-hmm. My counselor told me I couldn't do it and I bought into what my counselor said. Well, you have to take the steps yourself and create a space where you can have that quiet and really look at it and then start to take an inventory. There are people in my life right now that I love and who love me but they don't necessarily support this dream. They don't necessarily believe in this vision, and that's okay. But I need to be mindful of that and say, all right, I'm going to create a little bit of distance when it comes to talking about my dream between my mother and I. I'm going to be careful uh, with the words that I use when I'm in the presence of my counselor or my friend who thinks a lot smaller than I do. I'm going to start to be more mindful of who I am associating with. That is a step-by-step process. And you literally have to take a look at your surroundings and evaluate, this is what I want to do. Now, whether or not I succeed is not the point. What is important is that I give myself every possible opportunity to succeed. So the people that are in my camp, I choose those individuals. And the family members that are discouraging to me, I choose not to spend as much time with them. So I'm deliberate in my choices, so I give myself all the fuel that I need to go full forward. And then we'll see what the results will bring. But then you won't have any questions. You won't say, well, I didn't have this, I didn't have that, because you will have taken those steps and gone through that process.
4: Wow, great. All right,
2: do you have any more questions?
4: Oh, no, that was that was great. Thank you. I, <laughs> oh I, I agree, and I like this, especially the part that there are some people in our lives who are not going to the places we're going, so we have to be willing to release them, and they might be related. They could be family, friends, loved ones. And it's hard because you can only rise to the level of the peers that you create, not the peers that you necessarily have, and that's very hard for people. It is really, really tough. So I I think that that was really good. Thanks.
1: Yeah, I'm thank, take you, the car. thank you so much, Doctor. Thank you, thank you, but, um, Mr. Blunt. You, you said fear. You were talking about fear. Um, you said for fear of success. Do you think people are just fearful of success because of the responsibility that comes with it?
0: I, I think there's a there's more. I don't know if it's a fear of success because I, I believe that if people really took the time to imagine what success is and what it feels like, once you have it, once you know what it feels like, you're going to want more of it. I think more of it is about a fear of the unknown. Lao Tzu said that when I let go of what I am, I become what I might be. And people are so, they get into a comfort zone of who they are, and they don't want to move from that. And because they don't want to move from that, the idea of stretching beyond it to do something different, something significant, something extraordinary, it's like, no, no, that's not who I am. You know, I talk to people about their, their finances, and one, of the, one gentleman said to me, well, I said, well, tell me, let me ask you a question. How much is an hour of your time worth? And he said, oh, about 10 hours. And I said, that's interesting. So you're telling me, with all of your years of experience and all of your life experience, all the people that you know, all the years that you've worked, you think that one hour of your time is worth just $60. And he, he paused. And I said, okay, well, how about if we knock it up to $150? How that sound? Well, I hadn't really thought about that. Okay, well, how about if we knock it up to $500 an hour? How about that? Well, how can I – no, no, don't ask How? Let's just say that you believe the hour of your time is worth $500. Well, for him, he had never considered that as a possibility. So the idea of it made him very uncomfortable. And because he didn't know, he had never conceptualized what that would be like to be worth $500 an hour, it was too uncomfortable. It was too strange. It just didn't fit. And his inner conversation for all of those years, year after year after year, was, I am worth about 40 to $60 an hour. So I think it's more habitual. It's more what people are used to, and that becomes the obstacle to getting to the possibilities of what can be.
2: You know, I, I was listening to you, and, it, and, it, and something just ringed in my head about that. Most of the time you would think that, and I mean because I had this same type of thinking, you would think that if you ask someone to pay you, $500 an hour for your time that they would say are you crazy you're not worth that much so I mm. think it's because we, we sort of limit ourselves to that $50 because it's more palatable yes you know and it, and again like the the young lady who was on with us she said it's because of your association it's the people that you're around, your peers yes. you Absolutely. know if all your peers are worth $50 an hour you know <laughs> then that's all you're going to feel you're worth because if you feel you're worth more than that, you feel like you know, you're not supposed to be around them.
0: That's true. That's very true. That's very true. It's very powerful. The New England Journal of Medicine, they did a study, and over 30 years they, they observed 12,000 subjects. And over that 30-year period they found that if you have a friend who may live all the way across the, the other side of the world, but if you guys are in conversation... You are. If your friend is obese and you guys are in conversation, you have a 171% chance of being obese as well. That's right. And people were like, what? You mean they're not even the same, in, in the same neighborhood? I don't even see them every day just by having a conversation with a friend of mine who's overweight. I have a 171% chance of being overweight too? Yes. Yes. Now, why is that? Because we choose our friends. And the people that we choose to associate with rub off on us. It yeah. doesn't matter where they are, where they live. Their mindset, their habits, their thinking, it comes through the phone and into your life and into your consciousness. And before long, you are unconsciously engaging in similar behavior. So, yes, Brian, what you said, and Greg, if, if you're spending time with someone, and they have a certain mindset around finances, or they have a certain mindset around languaging, if they curse a lot, if they eat a lot of fried food, if they hang out late at night, you're going to be doing the same things eventually or, or, or now or presently.
2: See, I knew it was a reason I picked Greg as a friend.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> you know, but, you know, when you really think about it, Greg and I are very similar. You know, we come from b- different backgrounds, different situations, but we've come to grow. You know, we've grown to be really good friends, and we do similar things. You know, so that's very true. You know, so and I'm sure you look
0: each other up too. You energize each other, yes.
2: Oh, absolutely, oh, absolutely, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> on a daily basis. <laughs> you know, and it and I, and I think that's just so important and key that you know if you're out there and you're hoping to aspire to greatness. Pick up some great friends.
0: Yes. You know? And listen, let's, and let's, be, and let's be real about this. I, I've had people say to me, look, I don't know anybody great. I don't know any multimillionaires. I don't know anyone that's even doing better than $5 an hour. So how am I supposed to overcome that? And the first thing that I say is go to the library. Go to the library and pick you out some role models. Some people that may not even be living anymore that have exuded and experienced the kind of life, have produced the kind of life that you aspire to. No one can take a book out of your hand. And that is a blueprint, success leads clues. And as soon as you start immersing yourself in the leading and in the thinking, guess what? You're going to start operating differently in terms of your energy. You're going to have a different uh, pep in your step and people are going to start looking at you as if something is, is blossoming from the inside out, and your, your, your eyesight is going to change. Your listening and your hearing is going to change because you're thinking differently. And as soon as your hearing changes and your eyesight changes, you can start to see people who are where you want to be. You can pick them out of the crowd. Excuse me, sir, I know this is a bit strange, but... You just strike me as someone who, who seems to be successful. Would you mind sharing a little bit of your story with me? And just out of a question like that, you may, that may be the, the seed of a relationship, the seed of a new mentor, the seed of a new friend that can help you go to the next level.
1: Mm. Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. All right, part- Mr. Blunt, we're going to try yes. to go to the callers because our phone lines are just absolutely packed, and I want to try to get to everybody if I can so let's try the caller in the 310 area code. Are you there, caller?
3: Yes, I'm hoping I'm there.
2: <laughs> <laughs> great. Welcome to the bonus. Hi,
3: Hour. Hi, I'm Sammy calling from Los Angeles.
2: All hi. right.
3: And, you know, the, the woman before me actually has touched on something. You guys have actually been talking about exactly what I wanted to ask you. But, you know, everything in my world is going great. I 100% believe in the law of attraction and what you put out there to the universe. You know, I, too, have changed careers many a time. But I have a friend who, no matter what, you you said, you know, think about who your friends are and what they're adding to your life and what they're not adding. But I just can't – she's not somebody I just want to let go, but trying to keep her afloat is exhausting.
0: And i have even like,
3: you know, I stopped taking her phone calls and so on and so forth. So it's like, what can I tell her? Because every time I'm like, listen – you have to think positive about your situation. You really do. Even if you don't have any money in the bank, you have to think positive. And then she's like, well, if I think positive, you know, negative happens, which hmm. doesn't make sense. So, you know, what what can you tell me about that? Like how, what can I tell her, if anything?
0: <laughs> well, I, I think with, with friendships there, it's interesting because I, you, you're reminding me of, of, of my own situation where I was dealing with someone who was in a relationship that was not good for her, and this, this, her mate was someone who was verbally abusive and was abusing drugs and proved himself to be pretty unstable and also unemployed. So you put those two together, that's not a good combination. And I said to her, you know, you keep telling me about all your problems and how things are not working and how you want to leave. And we've been having this conversation for two and a half years.
3: Right.
0: Now, how much longer do you think you are going to stay on this course? Because I'm tired of having the conversation. You're right. It is exhausting. And the reason it's exhausting is because it is not your fight. It is not your fight. And eventually I said to her, listen, I love you. I've known you for years. I'm always going to be a loyal friend to you. When I can help you, when you are ready to be helped, call me. Other than that, do not call me talking about what's happening in your life at home, because that is a choice you are making. People mostly want to believe. It's easier to believe in the limitations than it is to believe in the possibilities. It's much easier for me to say to you, look, I ain't got no money in the bank. you tell me to think positive. I don't want to think positive. Look, look, look at my bank account. That says zero. Mine is five, and you tell me to think positive. It's just too easy to go in that direction. It takes a little bit of work and a little bit of effort to say to oneself, I, I am experiencing a temporary cash flow problem, but I'm in the process of strategizing and coming up with some new ideas as to how to best address the situation. Sammy, I appreciate your friendship, and if you, if you would, spend about a half an hour with me and let's brainstorm on some ideas of how to better my situation. Until your friend is ready to come at you with that level of commitment, guess what? You are, you're dragging dead weight. She's dragging. You're, you're pulling her, and she's dragging, fighting, kicking, and screaming. I don't want to go to that positive side. I don't want to go to the side of possibilities. I don't want to get out of my situation. Why? Because it's, it's sexier for me to glorify my suffering It's easier to identify with what's not happening in my life. That becomes something that's more comfortable, easier for me to wrap my arms around than it is to say, let me release that identity and come into a new identity.
3: Yeah, I definitely think she's very comfortable being miserable. And it's just got, matter of fact, I talked to her today and she's like, I've been so productive, I've done this, I've done that, but I still don't have any money in the bank and I still don't have a place to live. And I'm like, okay, but you're doing things in the, in the right way, though. She's like, well, how can you say that? I'm still miserable. Mm. So, yeah, it's a never-ending tug-of-war, but maybe I do just need to sit down with her and be very blunt. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Because your time is valuable. Your time is valuable. You, you are affording her an opportunity to spend time with you. She has to respect that. And if you don't put boundaries around that, there are these things called leeches. Yeah, and they don't, I, you know, they don't, they don't do, do it with, with malintent. Leeches are not out here to destroy things. That's just the nature of who they are. There are some people that is, that is a part of their makeup. They just the want to suck up off you, suck things out of you, and drain the energy out of you because that's all they know how to do. That's all they want to know how to do.
3: Right. So now it's just me not having the fear to, to actually discuss this with her, because I don't want to hurt her feelings, and she's looking at me saying, you know, your life is great, you've got a great place, and things are happening, you're starting your own company, and da-da-da. I'm like, right, but it didn't just happen overnight, you know, so then it becomes a competition, so it's just, I need to nip it in the bud, right? Yes,
0: and and if if you're her friend, it's important to have people in your life that are going to give you honest, constructive criticism, that are going to give you real feedback and call you on your stuff. I would much rather get a wound from a friend because I know it's coming from a place of truth and care and sincerity. I would much rather give that because I know it's true. So if you do hurt her feelings, as long as you're coming at, at it from a place of love and you really truly want to see her do well, then you just have to put it out there like that. If she doesn't understand it, I'm sorry. That's her problem. That's not your problem. Right. Well, thank
3: you very much. This has been an incredible show, and I'll keep listening. Thank you
0: so much.
1: Thank
2: you. Thank
1: you. Thanks. You know what, Mr. Blunt, it, it was amazing that you said that sometimes family members, you have to cut them loose. And that's something that we Brian and I, we talk about all the time, is that one thing, there's no hurt like family hurt. Yeah. When family is not supporting you and you're trying to do some things, sometimes it's just so important that you – Protect your dreams and keep your mouth shut.
0: Hmm. Wow. That's powerful.
1: Yeah, uh, and the reason I say that, if they don't know what you're doing, they can't speak negative about what it is that you're doing.
0: Yes. Yes. And and why? You know, go ahead and and do what you have to do, become massively successful, and that's when that's when the, all the supports going to come for a lot of people. A lot of people are dealing with situations where. They're just waiting to see what happens. And if you fail, it's, if you fail, it's I told you so. Yeah. If you succeed, it's I knew you could always do it. <laughs> so, you know, just do what you got to do. You know, you got to love your family. I believe you got to love your family and embrace them and support them and help them if they want to be helped. Otherwise, just keep stepping. Yes,
2: yeah. yes, yeah. yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. Mr. Blunt, I want to go to the next caller. Caller in the nine one four area code. Are you there? Caller in the 914 area code. Okay. Let's try the 850 area code. Caller, are you there? 850. All right. Everybody's listening. I'm just a little afraid to talk. Maybe they're just in awe, like I was, you know. (laughs) Well, you know, Mr. Blunt, I want to ask this question, and, you know, it's it's something that I know are on the minds of a lot of people, and, you know, we kind of touched on it when we talked to you uh, earlier in the week. Who do you think will be the next president of the United States? Mm, That's
0: a good question. I think... I don't know who the next president of the United States is going to be. I'm, I'm just as curious and in suspense as everyone else. I, I have to say that I'm, I'm definitely excited by the field. I'm excited by the level of, of the ebb and the flow of the election. You know, one month it's Barack who's, you know, all the, he's, the, he's the main thing, and then Hillary Clinton becomes the comeback kid, and then John McCain has the resurrected campaign. And you have three very interesting figures who have ideas and they have ideals, and, and they all have something meaningful to say. Now, I do think that Barack is communicating with the public in a way that the public has not experienced in a very long time. You keep hearing people like Abe Lincoln and John F. Kennedy when people talk about his communication skills. I think he brings something to the table of that tradition of the orator and the thinker and the leader that is connected and seeks truly to really unify people on all levels. There are no assumptions being made about his level of connection, and that's interesting to me. And Hillary running is very interesting to me because she's the first woman uh, to be a viable candidate for the presidency of the United States and John McCain the the war veteran who had you know was in prison camps and his experience so it's very I, i'm 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 watching every day I'm listening the way everyone else is listening and the curveballs and the scandals and you know the the dirt that the press tries to dig up on the various candidates and I have a lot of respect for all three of them because they are weathering tremendous storms. They have put their lives to the forefront for what they believe in, and they are working every single day. People have no idea what it's like to have to have your life under a microscope and then go out and speak and proclaim what you stand for, and then if you dare change your mind or have a different opinion, you will be crucified. Yes. So it's it's an amazing and fascinating process to me.
1: Yes. You know, now that Barack is where he is right now, I'm just excited because little uh, black kids, little mixed kids, they see this and it's 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 like a a big ray of hope now. Yeah. I can be the president. I can be next. It, it's a very in, inspiring situation for 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 just everybody, not just black kids or mixed kids, for just everybody. It's just it, it it seems like there's a change in the air right now. Uh, yes. I don't know if I'm the only one feeling that, but it, it is when you see the kids watching. You see the younger kids now watching the news. It, it seems like Obama reached out to the kids in MTV, MySpace, and and all of these other things, and now you have the younger kids and the younger generation, they're just behind them
2: 100%. You know, Mr. Yeah. I can attest to that because my kids came home. I have two 11-year-old twins, boy and girl, and I have an 8-year-old daughter, and they all came home, and my daughter said she lost some friends because she, she was in on a conversation where they were talking about Barack Obama, and one of the little girls got upset and said, I'm not your friend anymore. Because you support Barack Obama, and <laughs> my youngest daughter said, "We can't vote for Hillary because her husband cheated on her."
0: <laughs> mm, you know? And I'm wow. Like,
2: what do you know about this? But so people are actually talking about this, and this is probably the most widely publicized political campaign and political race that has that has ever existed. Yes. You know, and so how, how do I want to ask this question? If you were running for the president of the United States, what would be your your platform, so to speak? What would be the one thing that you would talk about?
0: Well, today my answer would be developing oneself from the inside out, and the importance of of people taking not only personal inventory, but taking a greater sense of awareness and responsibility in regards to the role that we all play as individuals to live our best life and to help others do the same and to leave this planet in far better shape than how we found her. Mm -hmm. That would be my platform, working on oneself, helping someone else to do the same, and leaving the planet in far better shape than how we found her. I think it's important with the Barack Obama aspect of this and, and with Hillary Clinton, too, that you have uh, an African-American male who is not a sports commentator, who is not a rapper, who is not an entertainer. And those are the, the predominant images of African-American men in modern-day media. So now you have someone who is articulating ideas and articulating a vision for an entire country. And that is a tremendous, uh, not just an image, but uh, an idea for children of all races and ages to look to, to begin to distinguish between the different levels of existence in the African-American community. And as a woman, for Hillary Clinton, you have a whole slew of, of young girls that are saying to themselves, hey, I could be the the most powerful leader on the planet. I could be the CEO. So I think just having those images are important. But that will be my platform, those three points right there.
2: Wow. Spoken like the next president.
1: <laughs>
2: you know, I wanna go I wanna make sure I get to all the callers. I wanna to go to the caller in the four zero four area code. Caller from the four zero four. Are you there?
5: Yes. John
0: Hello. Miller? Hello. Yes.
5: Hi, my name is Erica Gray Miller. Hi, Ed.
0: Hey, Erica. How are you? I'm
5: fine. It's great, great, great to hear you. I must tell you guys, this is one of my great friends. I, I really miss him. I hadn't, I hadn't talked to him in a while. It's a, it's a yeah. lot of stuff going on in his life and my life and all wonderful things, Ed. I am so very very proud.
0: You. Thank you so much.
5: <laughs> I must tell you, I am, I am just thrilled for you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I,
5: I, I hate to make this personal, but I just had to say that uh, right quick.
1: But I know, anyway, I know you have a question for America.
5: I, I do. I do have a question <laughs> for you. I do. I, I am just amazed. You know, we always talk about, you know, stepping out of your comfort zone and getting to where you know you're supposed to be in life and listening to the inner voice. Well, I have a family member that I am trying to get her to that place. I really am trying to get her to that place. We talk about this a lot. She called me and she said, Erica, why am I here? And I go, wow. You know, mm. I I, I know why she's here for me. <laughs> but she I need to tell her, what can I tell her for herself to make her get to that place that, that I want her to be, that I see her? already she's done some great wonderful things for like she's raised two girls by herself she's fantastic and i just i tell her that but i i want her to get that what else can i do
0: so you see her potential more than she sees it for herself definitely you know ralph ellison talks about uh, the invisible man and he's going around asking everyone questions that only he can answer Right. And people do that often. There, They're trying to find something out. And it's, it's just, like I said, it takes work. It's not, it's not easy to go within and to really take some inventory of yourself. What I like to start people off with is I would, you know, one of the exercises I do in one of my trainings, I say I want you to write down your ten power words. Right. The ten words that you associate with your greatest power within yourself. For some people that might be honor, integrity, Um, vulnerability, humility, understanding, whatever those things are for each individual. Write down those ten power words, and then when you get up in the morning, you're going to have a sentence attached to each word that describes the best of who you can be. And you look yourself in the mirror and you read that sentence. Now, what will begin to happen, because you can't look in the mirror and talk to yourself in that way without it beginning to have an impact on you. Right. if you're doing it on a regular basis. So I start them on this course of action where they're literally starting to program themselves. Programming is important because we get, we get home, we turn on the television, we're bombarded with media images all the time, billboards, advertisements. How much time do we spend programming ourselves? That's true. Because the world is spending all of its time and money to program us, to get us to do what they want us to do. Now, if you flip the script and you start programming yourself, starting with the ten core power words, having a sentence for each one that describes you in your best light, and looking in the mirror every morning when you get up and when you go to bed before you go to bed at night. Why is that important? Well, because the subconscious mind, it produces at a rate of six times for every one conscious thought we have. If you think about yourself, People have said to you, hey, I didn't, you know, did you realize you were making that face when so-and-so said this? Were you aware that you have a walk and when you walk you move like that? People say, no, I wasn't aware of that because of our subconscious mind. So you start with your friend with the programming piece because the words are going to come from her. You say your power words. She will choose them. She will write the sentences about who she sees herself in her best light and then she's going to read them every single day. If she does that just for 10 days, just for 10 days, and you ask her the question, let me, let me, let me ask you a question. Now, where, where do you think you are now, and why do you think you're here? Are you any closer to that answer? I guarantee you the answer is going to be yes. So either, she's either going to be able to tell you why she is here, or she's going to say, you know what, I had no idea before, but I'm starting to get a lot closer to it now.
5: Right. Good. Well, thanks
0: so much, Mr. Blunt. It's good to hear from you. We're going to have to talk. Oh, we
5: definitely will. We definitely will. All right. You take care. Bye.
0: Bye
2: Bye-bye. All right. Mr. Blunt, we have a little over six minutes, but we have two more callers that I can see on the line and probably more that are trying to get in. I want to try to get them in if we can. Okay. All right. I have a caller from the 202 area code. Caller, are you there? Two zero two. All right, they're just listening in. That's fine. Let's try the caller from the nine four one. Nine four one, are you there? Nine four one? Okay. Well we just had another caller pop in. Let's try the caller from the two one six. Right. Two one six, are you there?
6: Yes, I'm here. My name is Mendenhall.
1: Hi, how are are you?
6: I'm fine. How are you?
1: We're doing great. Do you have a question or comment for Mr. Blunt? Yes, I am. Now, so do you have a question or comment for Mr. Blunt?
6: Um, I have a question.
1: Okay. Go ahead. Yes.
6: I'm between jobs, Mr. Blunt, and I'm wondering uh, what kind of um, – well, where do you think I should go? Because I am 65 years old as of March 29th, and I am trying to find a new job. And My name is Mendenhall, like I said, I'm trying to find a new job, and I don't know what to do with myself. I was a lawyer before, and now I've not worked for a few years, and I'm trying to get motivated to get out here. Do you think I should? Do you think I'm too old?
0: No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Johnny Ray Coleman, who was a minister in Chicago, decided at the age of 70 that she was going to build a multimillion-dollar structure, and people laughed at her. They said that, that, first of all, no one's going to loan you that kind of money, and second of all, you're too old. Well, that multimillion-dollar structure stands today in Chicago. It's one of the biggest churches on the south side. So, no, you, you, you're, never too young to, uh, you're never too young to teach, and you're never too old to learn. So, yes, you're 65. That means you have 65 years of expertise and experience of failing and succeeding, of life experience, of, of people, that you have accumulated relationships with over time. What I would do is I would sit down and I would take a pen and a pad and I would clear my mind of all judgment. Do not judge yourself. And I would write at the top of the pad my ideal situation, whatever that looks like for you. And I would write until the pen stopped moving, until the pad was full. I would just write and write and write. Then I would start calling upon some of these key people in my life that I've known over the years, that I've cultivated relationships with, even those people who may know someone that can help me, that can give me some input. I would get on the Internet and start looking up individuals who are in their 60s and 70s and doing extraordinary things with their life. There's a woman, uh, she's, from, she's from Germany, Eichelbaum. Uh, she got a PhD, I'm sorry, she got a master's degree when she was 67. She got her PhD by the time she was 75. She's an artist, she's a teacher, she's a philosopher, and she's still painting and and writing and doing all kinds of prolific things because she made up her mind in her 60s that she wanted to get a college education. So I would start looking for stories like that on the internet because that's going to give you confirmation. Not that it only has to come from within, but you can actually find people in the world that are doing it without. I would also start looking at just the causes. There are so many causes. There are so many things that I know you must have a passion for. It may be helping children. It may be feeding children. It may be teaching. It may be working with the elderly. Whatever that is for you, and I would go volunteer. Are you volunteering anywhere now?
6: Actually, no. I just had my daughter's dog for a year and eight months, my daughter Sammy, (laughs) <laughs> and I've had her dog for a year and eight months, and I, I'm one of those kinds of people that if I'm taking care of something, I can't abandon it to do something else. So now okay, well, that was,
0: but that was a gift of time. You were caring for another life that's precious and important. Right. Well, I would find somewhere else to go and volunteer my time because when you start to take the focus off yourself, things will come to you as well. Um, Whenever we I'm... start to give and help someone else, other stuff's going to come to us, other ideas are going to come to us. I would create a mastermind group. I would talk to anybody that you can make a list of of 50 people that you know or 20 people. No, I'm sorry. Make it 20 and then pick the top five whose opinions you respect, whose minds you really have a respect for, and have a mastermind session. Look, guys, I'm 65. These are my skills. This is what I'm capable of doing. I know there's some things that I am capable of doing that I haven't done yet. Let's brainstorm for an hour and just give me some ideas, and let's see what we come up with.
1: Mr. Blunt. This is great. Yes. I'm sorry. We have a minute left. That okay. is great. Yes. Thank you. And, Mr. Blunt, I thank you so
6: much because I'm going to take your advice. Good. Thank you. You're Mr. welcome. it has Mr. been Blunt, very
1: rewarding. Thank you. Mr. Blunt, if you would, please give out your contact information so people can contact Absolutely. you.
0: Absolutely. It's www.edblunt.com, E-D-B-L-U-N-T. That's the first website. The second website is www. Dot ed blunt, dot success university dot com slash new. That is an organization that is the largest personal development website in the world. And with your $2 donation, which goes to Feed the Children, which creates vaccines and food for hungry children in third world countries, you will get 14 days of unlimited access to some of the most powerful speakers, teachers, and leaders on the planet, Wealth Principles Unlimited. I would love to invite you on to do that, new. Try it. I guarantee your life will never be the same.
1: Thank you so much, Mr. Blunt. We have about 10 seconds. Brian, we reached our goal tonight. Yes, we have. Yes, we did.
0: Thank you so much. Thank you all for having me. You guys are fantastic. I appreciate the work you're doing. It is changing lives all over the world. You guys are fantastic. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much. To our listeners, God bless. Good night.